Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch. I'm Luke. I'm Katie. And I'm Taylor. And uh, Katie took us back toward the fucking Buffalo's room and shit on this <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, Katie, is it fair to call this a hidden gem uh, in, the, uh, in the Disney animated feature catalog? The 45th film in the Disney animated feature catalog. That's that's not the term I would use, but I'm very excited to hear why you would use that term. It's more of a question, just just more, more of a, of a question. More, more of a more of a question, less than an opinion. Just driving the 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 conversation along. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, because because I don't necessarily feel that way. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, but I was just curious, uh, as it was your decision uh, to to watch this flick, why? And normally, our a lot of times I feel like our angle is that we just like something. So I guess maybe I was maybe I was expecting that from you on this one. Hmm. Well, well, you might have I... missed. Go ahead, Katie. Oh, I was just gonna say I didn't know that this movie came out. Like I wasn't aware of this movie, and I was a kid when it did. It came out in like two thousand four, but yeah. I didn't hear about it until I was like in college, and I was just surprised that this escaped my radar somehow. Oh my god! It was heavily, heavily advertised on a uh, Disney Channel. Like you know when they did, um, uh, like Mike Super Short Show and stuff like that, or Movie mm-hmm. Surfers. It was one of those. I don't remember which era. It's either Movie Surfers or Mike Super Short Show. But they did like a whole like, uh, interview of the cast and looking at the movie. I think that's how they got like us kids to tell our parents to buy the VHS and shit. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember them. I, I that's why I knew it existed, though I never watched it. Uh, in the, you know, fucking decade or so it's been out um, mm-hmm. until now. But I knew it existed just because they were trying to shove it down my throat. And I was like, look, fuck you. I'm not, I'm not into this one. <laughs> That's so funny. For me, I was, um, this was when I was doing a thing called CYT. And that's Children's Youth, the- or it's actually Christian Youth Theater. Um, but it was a kid's theater. And uh, I had just done... Tom Sawyer, the musical. I was a oh, townsperson, nice. you know. I was my that's my claim to fame really. It was that moment in time. But I just remember we sang Home on the Range and then I was like, "What? They're making a movie with the song?" You're like, I know that song. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember like, I think I own this DVD, but I will say as watching it, I don't remember anything about it. I bet you it. most parents of the era if they were buying, like, you know, like, movies for little kids, probably have the DVD on their shelf somewhere. Just yeah. because, mm-hmm. like, you know, you're buying everything. I bet you kids love this shit. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It was, it was pretty. It is very pretty. pretty. The, the background okay. art is incredible. Boom. Yes. That's what, okay, because, like, when we put it on uh, last night, I was like, holy shit, this is a, this is a, a, a sumptuous buffet for my, for my eyeballs, man. Like, I was, mm-hmm. like, loving the... Like, I was like, oh, my God, I literally can see, like, the, like, layers of, like, fucking art. Like, it was, like, gorgeous. But um, that is the resounding, like, positivity, I would say. Like, um, you know, like, I wasn't saying the same thing about, like, the dialogue or, or anything mm-hmm. else. But the, but the animation is stunning. And, like, like even, like, I, I felt that way just by, like, the landscapes and the stuff, like, in the introduction of the flick. But then when we got to, like, my homeboy, like, yodeling to, to steal people's cattle and stuff, like, mm-hmm. the animation, the way, like, he was all, like, rainbow entrancing to them, but everything around them was still, like, normal. Like, man, dude, I was, I was like, it, it's a shame that I waited this long to watch it just so I could have known uh, about how pretty it was. But that's my piece. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There, there's a real definite artistry to it, as there are with uh, many Disney animated films. And I think the character designs are really charming. I think, um, you know, uh, it, it th- again, the, the backgrounds are incredible. That sequence that you were talking about with the hypnotizing cows is kind of, it, it feels like a callback to Dumbo, but definitely is its own thing. And right. uh, a lot of the songs are sung very beautifully. The Little Piece of Heaven is sung by Katie Lane. And there's another song sung by Bonnie Wright. And those are really interesting. And there, there was definite a lot of, de- definitely a lot of work and love and time that went into this film. And Luke, I think about this now more than ever when I watch a film that I think has a lot of good parts but isn't quite there. I think making movies is hard. Mm-hmm. And the, the process of how this movie came to be is really fascinating because when I looked up the, the the two gentlemen, the writer directors, this was their first feature that they had done that they had been wow. given the reins for. Them. And how I'm not I'm not sure that they, they were like old school Disney board artists from what I can tell. And one of them did do some writing, but wasn't like credited in some I of the things. I can't imagine that like getting your first flick and it's a Disney feature. They probably thought that they were gonna be the guys, man. I just think that like it it's. I think it's like when you're in the trenches with something and when you write something for a studio as mammoth as Disney, sometimes things can get a little bit lost in the shuffle. I think a lot of it is in development. Like, so just so uh, our listeners are clear, this is a movie about three cows and they're trying to save a farm and they decide to collect a bounty on this cattle rustler named Alameda Slim who and the bounty for him is exactly the amount of money that they need to save the farm. And originally though this concept was there was a young from what I can tell like a farmhand and he goes into a literal ghost town and Alameda Slim is a ghost cattle rustler who hypnotizes cows cuz he got trampled to death. So it actually has like these very dark origins and it was about like this cowardly main character learning how to become a hero. But somehow that human main character became a, uh, a, like a bull, a young bull. And then that somehow became three female cows who were coded to be about middle-aged. So the development process from that very singular idea into something a bit more broad tells me that some original tent did carry over, but maybe not all of it. And I think that in general... I think that when you're focusing on three main characters, like, that's hard. It's so hard. It's much easier to write a film where you're just focusing on one character. And I feel like our we have three cow characters. Maggie, voiced by Roseanne Barr. We have <laughs> uh, Grace, who's a tone-deaf cow. And we have uh, Mrs. Calloway, who I believe is voiced by Judy Dench. Who oh, is like, oh, indeed. Oh, oh, indeed it is. It is. <laughs> Who is very proper and is, like, in charge of the farm Little Piece of Heaven. And I, I just think the movie would have just benefited from focusing on one cow. Like, if, if, if the main character has to be a cow, pick one and run with it. You don't, you don't want Katie, the ensemble, dude. That's so funny. You know who I, th- I think they should have kept the three cows, but you know what they should have done to bring in a ringer? I think Dolly Parton's 9 to 5 is like mm-hmm. totally being homaged here. We've got like the three ladies. If Dolly Parton would have wrote the music for this, I feel like Home oh. on the Range 
And then all of a sudden, but I'm like, maybe that's just like right now. If Dolly mm-hmm. Parton was like, could remake Home on the Range at this point, I think this movie would 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 be a a baseball hit by a Twilight character out of this <laughs> world home mm-hmm. run. That's what I think. But I'm like, oh, I just feel like they needed Dolly Parton. And you can tell, what, like hearing you tell this story, I just feel like this movie at, at Disney's um, point in time, they they just forgot about it. And that's mm-hmm. where Luke sent us this thing that I, I, can, I don't think I can do justice trying to talk about the article that you read. Uh, it, there wasn't a ton of information. It was just... Uh... Uh, <clears throat> Doug Oki, who played Unk in in mm-hmm. my movie Break, um, a lot of a lot of a lot of monosyllabical uh, shit going on here. But Doug, who played Unk in Break, um, his brother Dave Oki uh, worked on a lot of animated flicks in the business. I mean, like for decades. And uh, this is one of the flicks he worked on. And I think uh, something you sort of alluded to was that this was a movie that was basically. Uh, canceled, not in like the 2020 like version of like being canceled. Although it would mm-hmm. be because like Roseanne and Cuba Gooding Jr. and like just a like a uh, like Randy Quaid, like a slew of American sweethearts. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it was, I think it was something that sort of the studio was like, well, we're kind of done with this, man. Like as you mentioned, it seemed like it went through a little bit of a development hell for for some time and um switched around and the stories and then when i i think i read that uh they bumped it a whole year and moved up brother bear to to mm. focus on that and get that some uh attention and everything else so yeah i mean i i i wonder if it uh had a good i don't know physical release i i i was talking to taylor the other day about how uh that could save lots of movies and i don't think that's the case anymore uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of dead. Like, like back in the day, you make a movie and it's like, you know, you don't have an amazing box office, but you crush on ho- uh, home video and VHS and v- and rentals and everything else. Then that's your that's your nut. And maybe this movie was uh, something like that. I don't know, but they damn sure weren't uh, putting all their eggs in this basket uh, for the theatrical. It seems like because mm. you know and love animation and didn't even know it came out. From yeah. a fucking titan, from the name in animation, like you know mm-hmm. what I mean, like, like Walt Disney. So it, it's that's that statement in and of itself says everything. Uh, if it could slide under your radar, uh, and it probably slid under so many others. So it, it's just weird. It's it's weird. It seems like uh, sort of um, uh, buried by the company, and I I, I kind of see why. It's nothing special uh, in terms of like I don't know. I. I I don't mean to you're right like movie movies are hard and that's something we talk about a lot here and I don't particularly love this one there's things I I love about it but Taylor kind of mentioned how like I couldn't latch on to any of those songs like like the way you could in any uh classic Disney movies like they're just kind of music and I like that they mm-hmm. were there and they existed and everything's kind of you know you're putting the puzzle piece together to to have a pretty picture and you get home on the range it's okay you know but it's no rock a doodle. Yeah, I mean, that's like, what I kept comparing Rock a doodle's got that banger song. Like no matter what happens, uh, this mm-hmm. is maybe a prettier movie than Rock a doodle. A hundred percent. But, mm-hmm. but like there's, I I kept waiting for the Rock a doodle song, and that's when I got the idea. Just because I was like, this totally gives me the vibe of I don't know why, because like 
nine to five, I don't think I've ever watched fully through. But I was like, man, Dolly Parton, bring her in. Because mm-hmm. the, the thing about these songs and which is funny because I think I just saw that it was Alan Menken helped with this. Alan Menken did do the music. Yeah. He's like won Oscars for his other, like like Beauty and the Beast and what did Little Mermaid win an Oscar for music? So. Like he worked on some of I the heaviest have. of heavy hitters. You know what I'm saying? Like has Academy mm-hmm. Awards, has Emmys, like has fucking everything that there is to offer. So there's I, so much going for it that it's so strange that oh, it's Judy like Dench swept is in under it. the rug, you yeah. know? Yeah. And Roseanne Barr. I think like the there's uh, I had a really hard time not comparing it with Rockadoodle where I'm like mm-hmm. I I think there's one thing is these songs I don't know why it's like why are you trying to fit in 18 words into one line. I felt like a mm-hmm. lot of these songs were like, we're singing a lot, we're singing a lot, we've got to tell things, we've got to tell things, we're singing, we're singing, we're singing, la 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 la, sing. And I was like, I don't know what you just said. And that was a plot point. And two, can we make a movie that's about a farm that we don't have to reference every five seconds that theirs are the food that we eat? We're going to eat you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like they can't get past creepy. it. No, it is. It's super creepy. And the other thing, uh, like on that note of like just kind of the the well-worn tropes this flick falls into, uh, there's a scene in Joker uh, where Joaquin Phoenix is at like the comedy club and he's like taking notes in his notebook. And like like one of the one of the notes is sexy joke, always funny. And like fucking I feel like that's that's the screenwriters of this are like, what if like what if these like bulls over here just like want to fuck the cows? Like what if they just like r- are really horny? Like they're super horny. That's their thing. And then some execs like pretty. That's always funny. Oh, and the, they the udders like she comes. Roseanne Barr comes out. Yes, they're character. real. Yeah, they're know. real. And it's like we really. Why is that the first? Because I feel like that happened in in uh, Rockadoodle where they're like chicken breasts and the chickens mm-hmm. had huge breasts and I was like. Guys, it's a decade too. It's a decade too late to to be the edgy Disney of like the '90s. You know, like mm-hmm. there was like, I mean, in the in the era of Mighty Ducks and Heavyweights, you can say whatever the hell you want, kind of, and get away with it. Um, like that Disney who was just making shit. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in 04, I think Disney was uh, a little less like that, and a little bit like, what if we started doing like new princesses? Oh, I think they're they're more like, what if we start working on our theme parks more? Mm. They're like, this is the end of the the era of, uh, oh my gosh, uh, we are on the Disney Renaissance. You can just tell we just hit a wall. Is what it feels what like. What ride can we base Home on the Range on? Like we're fucked. They're just like, this isn't gonna make us money. But it's so mm-hmm. funny because you know if we're if you haven't caught on that Luke and I are big Disney fans. Bless you. Um, but, like, <laughs> they have a whole ride called Big Thunder Mountain that they could have made a movie on. Like, they always kind of talk, they've always, like, flirted with the idea of doing this. Like, now The Rock's getting Jungle Cruise, and they've done lots of other ride movies. So, I, I don't, and those don't always turn out that well for them. You yeah. know, so maybe that's, like, what their deal was. Like, if, they, if, if, I see your point, but they just done Haunted Mansion, like, right around the same time as this, and it did not do well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I just am, like, this, there is a question that I asked in Rockadoodle that I still ask now that I go, is it really hard to make a farm movie? I know, Katie, we talked about Charlotte's Web and, like, classic. And then there's mm-hmm. Babe, also g- g- love it. But, like, is it 
is it really hard for us to make a full movie out of just a farm movie? Mm. It's like, what do you even talk about? It's like, well, you know, they're going to lose the farm and they have to save it. Yeah, but then it's like, and then we just don't go past the point of, well, the biggest joke we got going for us is the farm animals love each other. And the mm-hmm. farm animals... You're are, bacon. Yeah. Like, constant reminder of of the food aspect of it all. What do you think, Katie? Well, I think that... I, I don't think... Well, okay, Charlotte's Web is mostly all on the farm, except when they go to the state fair. So that mm. one is very much farm centric. Some um, pig. Some pig indeed. <laughs> and I I think and, and this one is a definite plot in which in order to save home, we need to leave home. That's classic storytelling. And I I think that it works here. I don't find that there's a problem with the plot. I don't think that there's something wrong with the rural setting. I think where this differs from something like Charlotte's Web is that Charlotte cares about Wilbur. She wants to save his life. And this movie, I think these guys kind of wanted to do something which I feel is somewhat undisney, at least from my perspective, which is they wanted to do something more wacky. So instead of really looking inward to the emotionality that many Disney movies do so well, they decided to go more maybe... uh, Bugs Bunny-ish with it, go more wacky, Uh. less sentimental, less emotional. And I think that that's really to the disservice of the film, because you're right. When the songs happen, they just happen. And I can't remember any of them. because, And and it's not because the characters aren't singing most of them. I don't think that's it, because I I rewatched Tarzan recently, and Tarzan is a banger. And No words describe a mother's tears. It's so good. (laughs) And Phil Collins... Managed to taps he he taps into the emotionality oh. of everything that happens in that film so well. So I don't think that it's simply that it's not a traditional musical or anything Randy like that. Newman I just and think Toy that Story. they that's another this, one. This movie just stubbornly doesn't want to be emotional, and I and I think that that's where they lose the audience because you need to make the audience care about these cows saving the farm, or else we're not going to be on board for like the next ninety minutes. Like like that's just not going to happen. And yeah. I think that's more the problem more than anything. I don't think it's the rural setting. I think you can make rural kind of happen. I do think it's difficult because it's it's a smaller space. And I don't think a lot of Americans, modern Americans, really understand the rural setting. Um, but but I do think it can be done. I think that the core problem is of, of this film is that it never allows itself to be emotional. Or it does yeah. at some point. Like, it does with the Bonnie Raitt song, but it, that comes a little too late. Like, we need to start with emotionality. We need to start with stakes and with danger. And this film, even though there's guns, it didn't feel dangerous. And I think that cranking up the danger is sometimes beneficial, for real. And we, I, I just think that they missed out. Have we checked out <clears throat> the uh, the tomato meter on this? Like, what mm-hmm. people think, what critics think? I Taylor was, dug into it last night, and uh, I thought it was fifty percent. Yeah, which is like you know, it's not bad. You know, right in the middle. But audience-wise, wasn't it like 80, s- like through the roof? Like people seem to sort of respond to it, and and that's kind of um, oh, it's a ninety-one percent. No, so it's hard because it's ninety-one percent of Google users, 
And mm. I, I think... 91% of Google users liked Home on the Range. But it's probably 91% of people who went back but on I guess Google they to like. Li- like it. Okay. You well, know? that's a misleading statistic. That is a... <laughs> <laughs> but it did make... Opening weekend, it made... Oh, no, it didn't make back its money at all. What was the budget? The budget was estimated... Um, 110 million mm-hmm. in it an opening weekend it did 13 million. Uh, yeah, that's not what you want. Mm. I feel like I'm going to be hard on this movie because Katie, once you told me the story that Homa uh Rockadoodle like tanked that wonderful um animation company mm-hmm. that I should remember the name, but everybody knows I forget names. And not just names. Yeah. Like company. I, was like, I, I forget I was like, everything. I was like, Taylor, you're the one that showed me the, the, the statistic. You're like, what? Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Um, but okay. I, I feel like uh, Home on the Range does not, doesn't shed a, doesn't shine a light compared to Rockadoodle. Am I, how are you feeling about that, Katie? Or am I being crazy and trying to put these two together too hard? I think you just always want to make Rockadoodle happen. Rockadoo, because I think it's because I've heard the song probably at least twice a week. Because I always sing it. Um, yes. My daddy taught me how to sing. <laughs> Katie, what do you think? Uh, in, in terms of comparing Rockadoodle and this, I, I think it's definitely yes. a fair comparison. And especially when you think about the history, like you were talking about how Rockadoodle was kind of the, the last straw, the straw that broke the camel's back for, for Don Bluth. <sighs> Don Blues production company. This is often criticized as being what I would say put a stop to 2D Disney animation, which is unfair because Disney uh, 2D animation, it was kind of like there were things going behind the scenes with uh, executives and they were looking <laughs> towards going into into CG for a while. But this film is has been tr- like in the past very maligned and misblamed for that. So in that sense, I think that there's also an, an interesting comparison there. But I, in terms of, and it's just, also again, like, that's another instance where you have somebody who has to leave the farm, and that's not to save the farm, that's because he feels ousted. And what's nice about Rockadoodle is that his friends come to try to get him back. Like, they love him. There's love yeah. there. And you get the sense that we're supposed to love Little Patch of Heaven, the farm, and you get the sense that the farmer is is a good person, but I don't get the sense that it's really a family. That's what I think is missing, is because as, as flawed as Rockadoodle is, there's at least more of an attempt of emotionality, and there's a real love story in there. And yeah. with Home on oh. the Range, there, there's less of a chance, there's less of an effort to make it about family, and there is boyfriends ever after that happens at the end after the cows kind of get more or less catcalled by these bulls and mrs calloway judy dench cow ends up with a buffalo at the end for no reason there's a bit of a disconnect they they need you to know that these animals fuck like they, <laughs> they need do. you to they know do. they're like listen we're humans eat these things but they have mm-hmm. sex like humans and you think that's funny don't you and and me I know I do. And I, and I feel like the you're right, Katie, where it's like even the farmer herself when like I don't feel like I got any sense of her connection with the cows. And mm-hmm. then two, like none of the animals do come together. Like the cow hate the cows hate the horse. And then 
the goat hates everybody and mm-hmm. which is like a funny trope but still they don't universally come together and be like we did it or to be like oh look at them all sad on the farm together missing the people that they loved like n- not just they're sad that their farm is gonna go mm-hmm. under they're sad that they're going to um like that they're, they've lost their friends Two, I will say, I'm, I'm going to say my favorite part of it because I'm like, I got to say something good about it. Um, the bad guy, Uncle Slim, and his three henchmen. Hilarious. Is it three? Yes. Because the Steve Buscemi? No, there's three of them, I think. They're the just, ones that are like, oh, boy, yeah, they're funny. They're funny, but I love the moment where he's like, I've got every single farm and then we we get the map picture and Mm -hmm. then he's like oh my gosh and the guy moves his head and there's a little (laughs) patch of heaven and it's it's literally shaped exactly to their weird heads and i was like (laughs) i really like that joke it it really got me pretty killer bet and i was like "Mm, pretty funny but i Mm -hmm. i feel like oh and I thought that the the um, the cow uh, that uh, d- didn't have oh, the pitch perfect cow. Oh well, because I have pitch perfect. Um, he's a little under pitch. I thought she was so funny in the end. I'm like mm-hmm. she carried it, but they could have easily done. They should have made them like the three fairies in uh, Sleeping Beauty. Like just do that, do that, and you could have had because they're almost there. It's almost there. Um, the one thing that I wish they would have done is like they should have just made the three cows, the fairies, um, from Sleeping Beauty. That's so just... funny that you say that because when we were watching it, I was like, th- they've Disney has done this before where they have had three middle aged women as the heroes, and it's Sleeping Beauty. Like that movie is yeah. about these three women who are trying so hard to keep this baby from dying. And watch her grow up, and they, they just want to keep her safe. They fail, and they have to come together to work to save her and encourage the prince to, to slay the dragon. And there, there's a real emotionality there. Like, I, I feel like the fairies, I believe that they care about Sleeping Beauty. And the way that they fight with one another is really funny and charming. And I, I had the same thought while while watching this. And I, and I was wondering what, what you were thinking um, that these cows should have been like the fairies. Like, like in what sense? Well, I just thought that we've got like the leader, clearly, Roseanne Barr. And mm-hmm. then we've got the smart Judy Dench, which is like the, it's like, it's, oh, it's the pink fairy, I believe. And then you got the blue fairy, which is the same as the tone deaf one. Mm-hmm. And I just am like, I don't even think you need Roseanne Barr to be this outsider when she comes into this. Like, why even add that layer to it? Like, why make her show up? Like, that's the opening thing is her coming to a little patch of heaven. Why couldn't they just be three cows that, like, are a little disgruntled and they don't understand, like, they can't get along and then they have to get along um, because they love a little patch of heaven so much it, okay. that they have to save it, right? Right. Like, that's what I feel like we're missing. Well, that's interesting that you say that because we watched The Making Of, which is on YouTube. It's like this little... Uh, um, 17 minute behind the scenes featurette and they actually talk about how in the beginning Maggie the Roseanne cow was in the at the farm in one of the initial passes 
And they felt like her being an outsider was just an easier way to introduce the audience to the farm. And they actually show a bit where, um, during the the Patch of Heaven song sequence, where Maggie was before they replaced her with a pig in in the dance sequence. So they actually had to go back and change that, even though having her there, oh. I think, and it sounds like you think as well, just having her there just would have been easier, like, for all involved. But they felt that it yeah, was like, easier to bring her in as an outsider. And, and then you'd like... story changes, man. Yeah. Oh, oh no, wait, wait, wait. There's like, it's like, at some point, you gotta just like stop a, editing, man. Yeah. It's a Frankenstein of a of a mess, it sounds like. Because, one, it's, that's hilarious that I could feel that as like and i did not look up the making of and yeah, i have no you're a story clue. hound taylor sniffs out stories i sit and just <laughs> let movies happen to me Ta- taylor's like like fucking five steps ahead and shit well i do well i just like to see how it works and i i, I probably at this point i just especially if it is it's a disney movie i do like to be led in the same way mm-hmm. that i always have and so that's probably my thing but i just am like why she's the one that's leading us through this journey, right? You mm-hmm. you know that already. But then you're going to be like, she's going to save the farm, but, like, she doesn't want to stay here. Mm-hmm. Like, so then why, why does she even have heart? Like, you could have added so many memories of, like, the, the, the why a little patch of heaven. Because what a beautiful, perfect name. Yeah, it's cute. And that song it's very, is good. That's memorable. That the, song is good, yeah, too. Yeah, the, the book ending of that song, is it definitely makes it stick out after you watch it. It's a decent song. And... Definitely a cutesy name. It's memorable, but... But it's like, why save a place that's not really your home? What, what do I give a fuck? Like, and, <laughs> and that, I think, is probably where it's the hardest part to be like, I'm gonna... We're gonna, we're gonna work together mm-hmm. to save this farm, even though I have no history with it, and even though at the end of the movie I'm gonna pretend like I'm leaving again. It's it's just... And then the, the horse thing... Oh, even the part like when the big surprise when we find out that the um, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s uh, what's gosh I'm so bad at names his rider his right? his his rider Rico mm-hmm. uh, Rico mm-hmm. was a bad guy. I just was like I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, I, which should have been like, which is funny because I feel like when Disney did Frozen and did the like, oh my gosh, Hans was actually a bad guy. That blew my melon. That feel, blew my melon. I feel like that Mustang horse is barely in it, and I feel like he he strikes me as like a late story addition to be like, wait, boy, little boys aren't gonna want to watch this movie about three lady cows, and so they're like, make this guy kind of funny and just also, throw him in here and there. They just called every time they refer to the cows, they ke- they kept calling them heifers. Which, after a while, felt like they were just, like, derogatory. And I wasn't sure how I felt about that. It was just like, let's leave these lady cows alone, guys. Like, just, come on. They could just be cows. You can tell that they got super excited about, like, knowing the, like, only two fucking synonyms for cows. They say bovine, like, 65 times in this flick. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a lot of, like... Food, uh, uh, animal farm jokes are funny. It's like just a lot, a lot of that. And then the lucky rabbit uh, thing, the when the rabbit shows up and then he's got his lucky rabbit foot that's actually someone took. And it's like, so why is that in there? I you the, know, okay. But you so know the, what I'm, the uh, oh go ahead, go ahead. No, sorry, no, no, go sorry. Ahead. The Please. rabbit was originally partnered with the kid, the boy, in the initial version of the script. 
it was going to be the two of them to take down Alameda Slim and his ghost cattle riders. So I think that that he was recycled from a previous draft because we see him in the beginning just getting, you know, the crap kicked out of him. But we forget about him until he appears like near the end of the second act. So that that's another oh, like I weird. Completely forgot about him. Thing. Completely forgot. I was like, this is weird. <laughs> that's this is so weird, and this should be. Uh, I think this back to back with Snyder's Justice League <laughs> is a great reminder. Sometimes you need to just let it go. Sometimes you sh- you just gotta trust that the person who's who pitched you the idea in the beginning had some sort of plan, and like if you mess with it too much, your audience is gonna know. Even if they don't read the articles about how it like it was all messed up, your audience is going to know, and that is like crazy to me because I'm like it's funny how you can just feel that and not know it. Mm-hmm. But then again, you say that, that that's more of a me thing than the rest of the world thing. What's that? Like that you just kind of feel like something's off. And like, especially story-wise. You can kind of just tell. I mean, I think you can tell when things are, like, you can see when, like, you can tell that's a character that's left from a different draft. Like, we're, the audience isn't dumb. Like, we, we're all, we're going to know when something's, like, we know when we're being lied to for the most part. Or, or we know when something's been, been tweaked or changed and, uh, I don't know. I think it's like what what you said, especially when you watch a Disney movie. Taylor is like you know how it's supposed to feel, uh, and that's not to say that every Disney flick needs to be the exact same. But to some extent, like the like you know you 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 make your name and billions and billions and billions of dollars on not rocking the boat super hard and you know remaking pictures people already liked and sticking to the hits with like princess flicks and. Uh, uh, sequels and reboots and stuff like I'm, I'm I've already watched Mighty Ducks Game Changers twice you know what I mean <laughs> like they know what they're doing they're like um they, they're they like fuck people really do just kind of want familiarity uh from us and so the the negative impact that has is we won't see them you know giving a hundred million dollar budget to a movie like Home on the Range uh, mm-hmm. on an original idea and stuff like that not from Disney and and that's a bummer but at the same time we don't really like this movie so uh, apparently uh it's like all's well that ends well i'm interested if this movie gets a gets like a i always say this i know um culty i throw around the word culty and like a following and stuff but having the accessibility of disney plus and all the stuff they have i feel like a lot of movies uh that kind of slipped underneath everybody's radar might uh get another life i don't know like people didn't really give a shit about there's a whole wave of like people that didn't care about there was like no oliver and company merch and like stuff like that taylor and you love that movie and now all of a sudden it's everywhere emperor's new groove merch is everywhere now like i don't know i know this actually made me want to go uh do oliver and company as it made me want to it made me want to see if they had home on the range disney pens like i was like i don't know how much merch can there be i kind of want to i kind of want to buy some now What what an obscure thing to have so i'm intrigued to see i would like to see if there's like I'm, I'm going to do a little internet surfing and see if there's somebody that's just got, like, a fucking shrine to this movie with, like, a, a Roseanne Barr butter cow, <laughs> like, uh, like refrigerated in the corner. Fucking. I, I've been, <laughs> there are people. Go ahead, Katie. Oh, I'm sorry. Please, you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I bet there are people who love this movie. Like, mm-hmm. I bet there are people. But I wonder if it's loving it because it's under the radar versus they love. Lo- yeah. That's all I was going to say. 
in in my research of this movie, I did find that it has become a cult classic with certain people who believe that it has been unfairly maligned and enjoy it for it not for it being a movie that doesn't take itself seriously. So I do think that you might be able to find some merch or even some fan created merch that people have made of this film cuz some like it it's it's interesting how even though this movie didn't really speak to us, it did speak to other people. And that's always interesting cuz again, I I'm like there's no emotionality, but some people don't like that in their in their flicks. Yeah. And Disney is like is only emotion. Like Disney is like, mm-hmm. let's kill a parent in the first five minutes. Let's get these kids. Let's get these kids invested. Let's get them sad so that they'll be happy at the end. You know, it's like the Disney couldn't get. Sometimes it's like this is so emotional, dude. So I I get that, and I think in the like, it feels very much like um, oh, the cartoon, the coyote. Like, it feels like we're we're playing into that. But I still don't even feel like it has that much of that slapstick or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I, I just think, I guess more, I would say universally, I just think that this movie is just a little bit forgettable. But now I am on the search for someone. I'm just going to, I'm going to pray it into the universe. I'm going to manifest this one. I hope Dolly <laughs> Parton makes an animated um uh, home on the range movie. Like I would like to see Dolly Parton take like, this. And on. when you say when you you say that, do you mean like Dolly Parton is producing it? She's writing the music, writing for it? the music okay. and producing it, and has story input. No, or, whatever she wants to do. Like like a, she's a busy lady. Yeah, well, I I like the idea. I'm just like she is a busy lady, so that's why I was wondering. Music I was like, is this really her? I think music. I think music specifically Doing because like a, being the Randy Newman to this Toy Story. Yeah, yeah, because I just feel like the the other thing that I think it's clumped into these like farm, uh, stop like farm focused movies, uh, especially animation where it's just kind of like it feels like someone who generally thinks of country western music as like and has no like like i don't feel like it any of the songs get their unique personality to mm-hmm. which i think a genre of in history of music that is it's like vastly colorful yeah, and it's you know fandom too. like it could be i think it just it's too general i think Totally. You bring in Dolly Parton, you make it more specific. You bring this like beautiful storyteller, and then also she would have just done great with like these. Again, I don't know why Nine to Five is still like stuck in my head because this movie. But I'm like, I feel like those two things. That she that's could put together. Bringing, yeah, I mean, if the soundtrack, if the soundtrack of this movie was a bop, then like you know, it mm-hmm. probably would have a longer shelf life for sure. That's yeah. a great point. And then she would have given. I mean. Her, each song would have been used to storytell because I think that's important. You can't, you don't just put it, you can put in a song to be like, whoa, okay, cool. This is just a song to sing. Like, but Disney's already known for tell, using its songs as plot devices. So I don't really know why they didn't do it with this. It, um, and I'm like, maybe they, go ahead, Katie. Well, well, part of that um, is because, like, uh, Alan Menken in the past had had been paired with Howard Ashman as his lyricist. And mm. with this, he was paired with Glenn Slater. And the two of them worked together for quite some time. I'm looking up. Uh, I can't find their filmography. But I do think that they did a couple of things before this. 
and uh, I believe Glenn Slater uh, also worked on um, the sequel to Phantom of the Opera, Love Never Dies. Um, uh. So it, that I think that that might be part of it, that Alan Menken and Glenn Slater may not have, like, and again, I have no idea. I, I can't speak to this. I don't know them or anything like that. But maybe they just hadn't really, like, found the their their jive and their relationship yet that they're they're a working relationship because they did work together on um on tangled and i do remember liking some of the songs from there so i think it, it just might be because i think too, yeah. yeah mankin and ashman had a pretty tight partnership and then to find another lyricist after that must have been difficult and one that you can work with well so i wonder if part of that was growing pains yeah, and but it also like it the the things that sound stand out for me with Alan Menken is like he's always got that one really good song for the m- main female lead, mm-hmm. and he can write for like young twenty year old princess style. But I wonder if it was weird for like they don't give these cows songs, but maybe it's also like I don't think Roseanne Barr is known for her singing voice, and Judy Dench. It's like you're not really looking for her character to give you the heart and soul of it either. Mm-hmm. But like they could have played around easily with the character that's like tone deaf to also like get her own song where she's kind of singing. Like there's so many things that they could have done with the three characters of mm-hmm. like a standout, like an eleven o'clock number, like anything like that. And we that we just kind of went do 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 do, but. You, that also, I, I feel like it's just kind of pushing their boundaries to be like, yeah, let's give you guys home on the range. Mm-hmm. I just, because I could, all I think of is you, the fan, Love Never Dies is nowhere near, and Little Mermaid and Tangled, like, are nowhere near a home on the range style song music mm-hmm. that I would give it to. Like, give me some Oklahoma classics. Nice. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, that's good what I'm call. looking for. So. Al Macon is a legend, but Home on the Range was not where he nah. he became one. Hey, everybody's got some blemishes. It's okay. It's you know, it's still it's still a pretty looking movie. If hey man, I would love to be Al Macon, so that mm. don't get me wrong. And his other songs, phew, I, could, I sing them in my car probably every day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just more of, you know, sometimes you got to bring in the right person for the right genre, mm. uh, even if you have a a house genius. Just like uh, Phil Collins made Tarzan. He also and and also Crush with Brother Bear. People forget about that. Uh, also, good. soundtrack on Brother Bear is very good. <laughs> we should um, we should cover Brother Bear at some point. I agree. I mean, a movie with fucking uh, Joaquin Phoenix in it too. Mm-hmm. Oscar award winning. A Joaquin Phoenix as Kenai. Got, oh my got gosh, the, I, dude, I'm into it. Um. Totally should. Have we said, have we exhausted every thought we could have ever had about Home on the Range? I believe so. Yes. Is there any extra credits that anybody's yearning to chat about? I was wondering, actually, if we could try something different if you're up for it. I wanted to know what each of your guys' favorite Disney movie is. Whoa. Awesome. Go ahead, babe. Um, I will narrow it down as I look at all of our Disney pins. Um. <laughs> which oh gosh my favorite movie is probably oliver and company um i could sing every song uh and now i think we have to do it because i checked up the thing and i could uh it's like 50 percent as well really Mm -hmm. yep 
Oh, yeah. Even though it's like... It's me. a pretty weird plot. Oh, I know. Kind of like this oh, is a kind of a weird plot. But you know what it has? Music that is so memorable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like really good music. It's like Huey Lewis and then you have like Billy Joel in the flick. It's crazy. Yeah, it's all, Billy Joel did the music. And um, so now I think I'm going to probably force us to watch that and talk about it awesome. because... Uh, it's like if you want to see me that's the movie that is my Snyder Cut could talk about every (laughs) single moment of it um, and have dreamed that I would one day sing the karaoke uh, not Bette Midler Georgette song oh yeah oh that uh, is my perfect perfect is me and then second uh, runner up a goofy movie Mm, so good I cannot believe Beauty and the Beast is not in your top two it was when I was a kid and then I was I, I did the musical three times oh and, you, and, you're Beauty and the Beast it out yeah and and I just think that I'm on I need six eggs six eggs that's too expensive <laughs> um I just think that Oliver and come I love underdogs and mm-hmm. so that is my favorite and Inside Out is my favorite Pixar because I'm oh. sitting on my board and I have I love Bing Bong and yeah, um, but in that, that's how I'm, I'm going to be done. Go ahead, babe. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite? Uh, it's tricky because my favorite is Toy Story, but that is technically a collab. Um, it is Disney's Toy Story, though Pixar, you know, uh, kind of did a lot of the, the lifting on that one. Uh, but that's that's not only, like, my favorite Disney flick. I mean, that's, like up there for my favorite movie mm. um like hand in hand with like clerics and stuff like i i love toy story i live and fucking breathe toy story um the first one especially like i just love it so much do you even have a favorite strictly disney animated movie i don't think that you do um i mean i i i i ones that i love i it's hard. I mean, like, we love Robin Hood. We watch that a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, I love Sleeping Beauty. I love Maleficent uh, as a character. And those are those are gorgeous. Um, I love Jungle Book. Like, I love a lot of the classics. And I grew up with, like, Hercules, which I adore. Um, oh. And, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, you said Goofy movie. Like, I, I love all the characters and all the movies. But specifically just a flick. Uh, it has to be Toy Story for me. Luke danced to You've Got a Friend in Me with his mom for their uh, uh, son-mother dance. That's so sweet. At our wedding. You're acting like you're just like, oh, by the way. (laughs) I know. I don't know. I literally couldn't even think of the son, um, Uh, mother, um, son dance. It literally, yeah. I I got too excited and started talking before my brain was done thinking. And it got mushy in my brain. Katie, what's yours? Mine is the Great Mouse Detective. Oh, oh, nice call. She was just waiting at that like Jack, like that, that fucking ace waiting to play yeah. it. She's like, oh, by the way, 21. You know what I mean? Blackjack, bitch. <laughs> Gosh, I don't think I've seen that movie in a long, long, long movie's a banger. Time. That movie was like, oh, good. Yeah, tell me why. I love mysteries. I love the grittiness of the setting. I think the the main character is fun and flawed, and I think Radigan is a delightfully over-the-top Disney villain. And I think the climax is really exciting and cool, and that clock sequence is just, it it gets me every time. Ugh. What? I was telling you to take us away. I I never take us away. I don't want to take us away. With that being said, (laughs) I'm Luke. I'm Katie. And I'm Taylor.
and you have a good one, folks.